Greetings, everyone. Um, happy holidays, or should I say, uh, make the best of the holidays. Depends on your life, what you're doing, what's happening in your life. I mean, clearly all of us go through uh, a certain amount of um, emotional uh, bipolar, trepidation, manic depressive, BS, whatever, during the holidays with our respective families and our communities and our countries. <laughs> A lot of that. And I am certainly not making light of that by any means. And I want to express here, at least in the beginning of this podcast, which is number 50. And I'm um, not sure how many more of these I'm going to do. If I continue on, as I've said before, I'm going to make them shorter and probably more specific. I, I just don't like to do the rote, you know, PowerPoint. This is what's going on. And many people like that. You know, they like that complete, you know, point by point logical breakdown. And I can do that with... Uh, clients and people that I know, but I don't enjoy doing that when I do these particular chats or podcasts or whatever. They're not really chats because I'm not chatting with anybody, but, um, so if it's the holidays, uh, when the world is running down, make the best of what's still around. That's from police sting. Love that song. And, um, I also, I'm very concerned about what is happening in Gaza and the uh, Israeli situation and the surrounding Arab countries and and also what is occurring around the world with respect to Islamophobia and anti-Semitism and all of that. Um, a lot of these things that are happening, I'll make this very brief because I am not a person that is going to invest in polarization. Uh, I never have been like that, although I am absolutely aware of the intensity of both sides. I have great passion uh, with respect to that um, in terms of history and in my own uh, awareness of what is right and wrong morally and, and, and also breaking down the facts of what is going on. And I would just encourage, because this is truly all anyone can tr do you can't you know bring somebody and make them do something and have them accept that with any integrity or authenticity to do the research on both sides of the argument which has now turned into a very depressing situation to say the least for both sides of this conflict yeah, it is beyond a conflict I live in the beach, yeah, it's great, it's fun in Los Angeles, but I live in a state that is so large and long, and, the, and even inland, that the amount of land that is being, you know, fought over and has been for millennia and perhaps in our lifetimes, decades, is literally, for me, a stretch of the 405 freeway and beyond, um, getting to some studio job or whatever, you know, my profession was and uh, what I've worked at along with my work in astrology. So when I look at or, or the size of Connecticut or my relatives, a lot of them live in Massachusetts, um, 
you know, when I see the actual geography of what is being happening with the intensity of the the um, pernicious, uh, just depressive and violent element of uh, disgust and hatred going on and all of the things that have happened for 70, 80 years after I even after World War One, but I suppose far more ratcheted up after World War Two, it is just depressing because I look at that that land area and I go, my God! I mean, can somebody find an island for someone? I mean, can somebody buy, you know, an island or do something where people can live in peace and enjoyment? Uh, it, yes, the kibbutzes are very communal. They're very much like they're they are communities and communal in that sense, and, and socialistically, democratic, socialistically inclined, obviously. And and at the same time, I know that both sides, that, you know, they truly are connected to their land. You know, it's like anybody having their land or being, you know, taken away from you or conquered. Uh, all of the lands in Europe, you know, with the Hundred Years' War, um, Ireland, Scotland, England, well, England, you know, they're kind of all over the place. And, you know, I think a lot of Romans reincarnated into England, the England island, which is not a, not besmirching it. I'm just saying that, um, you know, the sense of intense organization and authority was conferred upon that piece of land uh, uh, many, many uh, thousands of years ago, as we know, but conquering from even from the outside, um, it, it, it creates a generational trauma that goes on. So all I want to say is polarization and, and I believe firmly in um, the protocol of truth and reconciliation, which was used in the South African uh, apartheid uh, talks and things when M Nelson Mandela took over. Nothing is perfect. So I know everybody's going, well, that isn't perfect. I'm quite aware of that. It isn't. But I am a firm believer that there must be an element of truth and reconciliation and both sides must participate in that mediation process. How that will happen, I have no idea what is going on during this time, how it will, because the passions are so high, the intensity of loss is so high, it is very hard to calm people down into a sense of, you know, give peace a chance, or, you know, we have to work this out. And the arbiters that are doing this, attaches, emissaries, things humanity has done for millennia, you know, um, kings and queens anointed by God and these things. I mean, they have, it's clannish, it's, uh, which is fine, you know, in its own right during the time that those things occurred. But, you know, we are kind of all one at this point. Uh, and I'm not getting into a big, you know, jag about the holistic element of humanity, which I was introduced to, as I've said in podcasts before, in my quite early teens, which was, I responded to it, resonated with me very, very early. Um, and, and many others. I, you know, I, when I say these things, I'm, I'm talking about an inclusiveness. There are many others, you know, I'm not going, I'm the only one or, you know, 
all that sort of cult crap. I'm just saying that there has to be an element of truth and reconciliation because this looks like a very intense, you know, similar to an apartheid situation, similar if not uh, actually an apartheid situation. And, and both parties should be able to exist in some sort of coherency and, 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 and uh, what would I say, a compromise and compatibility. And at some point, I think younger people are far more open because you're far more flexible. And I tell you this with wisdom because when I was very young, many moons ago, um, you know, I would always, you know, when I first got to vote in America, you know, would vote for the most progressive person I could find. And, um, and I will still do that today, but clearly there's none. Uh, so I would just say that I would hope that this has a solution that is not going to devastate uh, Gaza and Israel. And I have, uh, you know, very strong connections to uh, the Jewish community. And, and, um, and also I do have... Uh, you know, awareness of the Middle Eastern community with friends that I've worked with in, in my business and things that I've done and, and also watched all of it. So anyway, we all have done this. I'm just going to read something from real quick and then I'm going to get into this because I promise not to go on and on with this um, from Dune, one of my favorite novels. Um, and there's a, it's just a saying, it's a particular I would call it's beyond a quatrain, it's, although, you know, it. somebody could say this could be one of these Nostradamus type of quatrains. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I f will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. When the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain from doom. And I see this as the I holistically, the inclusive self that the great uh, yogis of India and the great teachers in any religion, in any practice, Throughout the ages, I see it as the I being the whole, I, the I of, you know, the world, the I of the all-seeing I. And I don't mean on the American dollar, so don't take it that way. That was, that's something I'm really probably never going to get into because people have so many um, attributions to that thing with the pyramid and the money. It's it, The I is more of the esoteric and metaphysical eye of the inclusiveness. And, um, you know, as I watch, as many in the world watch, I want all of these hostages released. And as I've said many times, even in social uh, conversations with people and, and certainly not ruining cocktail parties, but, you know, I could if I wanted to, um, saying that... Um, Really, if you look at the statistics, even if you're younger and you look at them in the last 30 years, 40 years, even before that, 
you know, in terms of regular armies and um, regular militias uh, after the uh, twenty, the dawn of the 20th century, mainly, you will see that the mainly the most people that get killed, that are decimated by this process of war, are civilians. That never used to be the case. I mean, you've seen... You've read, you've seen history, people dressed up. This is the side I'm on. We're standing, I mean, they used to stand up in battle against each other. I mean, that was just a freaking weird thing. I mean, seeing the American Revolution, you know, these ragtag people and then the Brits, you know, with the beautiful coats and all that stuff. And they're standing in the middle of a field in Nebraska or somewhere closer in, probably Massachusetts and New Jersey. And, you know, they have muskets and they have bayonets and that's how war was fought yes there were spies yes there were people that killed people obviously that was happening all the time but there was a bit of honor in it saying i stand for what i believe in this these are my colors this is who i am and this is what i fight for instead of massacring the civilians that are not even involved in this in their particular localities nation states everything you know all of this has been this pain has been wrought upon civilians mainly they have paid the price in blood for this type of polarization and inability to compromise or in some way make it easier for the peoples that they say they love and care for They've made it very hard for them to do that. These are children, these are babies, and these are Palestinians in this particular case, and Israelis. You know, we are human beings first. That's what we are. And I've always stood by that. I mean, I'm definitely down with uh, whatever you identify, your gender, the whole bit. You know, if you identify with a particular gender field or um, or an identity um, with your group, your clan, your religion, fine, as long as you do not harm others um, and do that. But we are human beings first. I'm a human being before I am a female, uh, you know, by birth. I'm a human being first. That's the first thing you look at not all the other extraneous elements. And then you have to wade through all of that. When I see somebody or interact, I endeavor, even though you see all of their habits, including my own, believe me, we all have them, as an American and, and as a person, you know, all of the particular, particular things and the peccadilloes, as they say, um, you see a human being first. What are they trying to say to you? What is the essence of their communication? Some people are far more emotional and emotive, and some are far more logical. But there's an essence there. If someone has an essence, and you can experience it, even if you're in a cab in New York City, and I've been in many, um, you know, they're people first. You know, they're not running around going, I'm this, that, and the other. I'm a person first. That's what they really essentially want to say to the world. I think we all want that. So that's all I'll say on this. And I, um, 
I'm looking at the aspects. I might do a podcast on this particular thing because, again, it's it's ramped up again. I'm going to do now a real quick thing on um, the current aspects uh, happening at this point from the global POV. Um, so we've got the sun in Sag, and of course it's squaring Saturn that's entered, you know, very early Pisces. And I'm, lo I'm looking at the squares first because, you know, I just love to get to the hard stuff first, and then I can party. <laughs> um, moon square Uranus means that nobody is understanding what anybody's doing. It's, that's a hard aspect natally, and it's a difficult aspect uh, worldwide, inclusively, globally. The moon at the particular time, even though the moon moves on very quickly. And then we've got Mercury. Uh, we've got Mercury squaring Neptune in Pisces, and then Venus squaring Pluto, which, uh, you know, uh, Venus squaring Pluto is... You know, it's a it's a process. It's it, if you have that natally, it's it's uh, if you learn through it, it's great. If you don't learn through it, God only knows what happens, because you really do have to be very mindful of that particular aspect. And then we have Jupiter squaring Pluto, that is now in Capricorn. Jupiter's in uh, Aries. <laughs> they love each other. <laughs> I'm just joking, <laughs> and uh, that's just hell on earth. And um, these are the global ones. And then Pluto squaring the current North Node in Aries. Aries is going, you know, screw you, Pluto and Capricorn. Because Aries is going to fight and win and die. They don't care. They they are honorable. The, uh, the honor there is intense. So Pluto is in its last legs of Capricorn, which I've talked about probably way too much because I have... Um, planets that are aspected by that in my own chart and I have my little destiny with Pluto which has plagued me from birth so of course I love it and hate it it's a love-hate relationship and then Sun square um, the uh, black moon Lilith which is currently I believe in Aries and then Mars square that and um, we've got a lot of square aspects going on and many many planets uh right now particularly in the global sphere this is not my my chart uh in fire fire positions north node chiron the moon uh right the moment uh sun in sag mars and um so a lot of that going on in earth and then mercury and then pluto in capricorn and then Jupiter is in Taurus. Uranus is in Taurus. And then uh, Black Moon Lilith, I believe, as well. So that's Earth. So this is like a scorched Earth situation with fire and Earth uh, dominating these particular aspects. And uh, I think we're going through that. I think we're going through that psychologically. And we certainly are, sadly, very, very sadly, going through it physically. You know, there's the mental plane, the emotional plane, and the physical plane. And I was, uh, in my very early years, I, I was uh, working at a, a, a not a, a culty thing, but a, 
really wonderful metaphysical group uh, at their particular place, their work area in New York City. And I remember talking to this older gentleman. I was quite young and really learning lots of things, Agni Yoga and things I've discussed before briefly. And um, he would just say, you know, you know, Katrina, Catherine, my name, you know, um, how are you doing today? It was very sweet, very older man. And he had been in this kind of meditation work for many, many years. He had, had meditated during World War II in London with, you know, Sri Aurobindo and all of these incredible gurus. And I was just so awed. And, um, and I said, oh, God, I just, you know, can't get myself organized. And, you know, we would just briefly chat because it was a very uh, set way that we used to work. And he said, well, you know, the physical plane is important and you should have respect for the physical plane. And it was just a very odd sentence to me, even though I had been studying a lot by that time, moved to New York. And um, and I just have always remembered that. And it's always made an impact on me because he looked at me with like these eyes that practically, you know, burned through me. I was so I was such a novice, such a neophyte. And um, I have learned that through the years, that that what is going on in our earth, on our earth, you know, there's a war going on in two places, big, big ones, hurting many people. And then they've got people flying in on private jets to talk about climate change this week. And, you know, I'm including, you know, the USA in this hypocrisy, okay? So I'm not excluding any of that. Uh, really? Private jets and yachts that are longer than the Atlantic Ocean? And really, we're doing that. Okay, so we're going to fix this problem and have this fabulous five-course meal and and hang out, you know. And uh, as I was told by someone who worked in the, the uh, industry for quite a while, mainly in trading fossil fuels and stuff, this was quite a while ago. Um, they said, uh, you know, uh, fossil fuels will never end, never, on the, on, you know, in this realm, the 3D matrix thing I yak about all the time, until every last freaking drop of oil is drained out because these people make lots of money and they love their life and they love their dividends and there's no freaking way they're going to give them up. So... You know, things can be better <laughs> and we can use alternative energy, but globally it needs to happen. You know, California, you know, we have our problems here and the U.S., of course, and other Western nations and even underdeveloped nations. Uh, they call them developing nations. I have listened to this for like 40 years. I can't even believe it as a kid. Like, what does that mean? You know? let's develop it let's move come on people let's step it up here it's ridiculous i mean sesame street used to talk about this of all places so you know they said this to me and i said well you know what has to occur i mean i'm watching these things where glaciers are just you know falling into the ocean and the sea level rise it's like you know is the science guy the only one talking about this you know love him but he can't be the only one and um and they were just very matter of fact 
you know, futures traders with petroleum and all of that stuff. You know, I used to be around a lot of that before I got into another line of work. Um, and uh, it was just unbelievable to me. He said, no, no, this is a worldwide thing. He said, until every drop is... I said, well, <laughs> well, then there's no hope for us because you can't keep emitting this and thinking, you know, oh, sure, that shoreline is going to last forever. They, these the, the global warming part of this, uh, it's not completely man-made. I don't subscribe to that uh, particular POV, but it's we have certainly not helped it, the case, since, you know, the dawn of, and since 1840, 1850 of coal, and, oh my God, look at all this energy. We can do all these cool things, and we have all these great, convenient things, and we all love them. And that's why I can't get out on the soapbox and, and go, don't do it. You know, I'm not sitting there like the Unabomber in some shed eating squirrels and, you know, creating a fire outside, which I've camped a lot in my life in California, you know, to not hurt the planet. Uh, I, You know, I have as minimalist as I can in terms of convenience of life. And we are used to that. Human beings, you know, moved out of the cave because, you know, running out and trying to find food and making a fire every day and then having tons of kids because there's no birth control is just like a total drag. You know, and then when we learned that, um, then we started to move into the convenience area, which was mainly the boom of so much uh, growth in the early 20th century. Electricity, Tesla, the phone, the, the car, all of it. So... So what's going on right now is a lot of fire elements are in these um, placements and they are they are in their complete, you know, you know, sort of ram locked horns with all of the earth placements that are going on with Venus, Pluto. Pluto is just just holding on to that last drop of, you know, materialism with Pluto and Capricorn. And Aries is going, oh, no, 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 we're going to break up the whole thing. You people are just going to be scattered. We are we are here to change. We are here to blow you out of the water. We are here to demolish your mindset of what life is going to be life on, like on Earth. We are here to change things. Many Gen Zs are pushing this, so I applaud all of you. And many later millennials are. And Gen X was always there, but they're like going... Well, we got our kids out of school and, you know, everything's going okay and we're trying. But they're like, okay, I'll sign on when I can. And then the boomers are going, we're out of here. A lot of and they're they're the early ones, especially the ones born in 1941, 42, that area. You know, they're like, bye. You know, we enjoyed all the fruits of all this. But again, they're constantly telling you, hey, listen, we had to put up with parents that went through a depression and World War II. So don't even talk to us about scarcity and what you don't have. You've had a good life. So they have their axe to grind. And then the later boomers are trying desperately, the ones born later. If you read the fourth turning it they do a great job this book on doing the timelines of these things um you will see that uh they're trying still 
we're trying desperately, you know, we're trying to, you know, there's viability because we have great health care and depends on where you live, of course. But all of this is going on at once. And this is what I want to talk to you about. That movie that won, uh, I think, Academy Awards. I don't, I did a lot of award shows in a particular capacity for many years. And so I, I don't really watch them that much, but I did watch, you know, all at once, all at one time, I, that movie. And really, from a dimensional frequency, spiritual POV, that is actually what's going on. It's This is happening all simultaneously. Uh, it, it literally is like somebody's on some microphone and they're like the news person on some giant cable channel, CNN or something. But really, the internet has taken over that. Um and it's happening all at once because it is, etherically speaking, on an electromagnetic level, it is occurring, all of these things all at once. And the human brain, depending on what point you are at in your awareness and consciousness and what you choose to include in your everyday life, uh, some people just block it out. It's hard for me. I have planetary structures in my chart. <laughs> this is just me where I am a news hound and I'm an information junkie in many ways, which is probably not a good junkie to be. And I just cannot know what's not, what's, what's happening. I have to know. And I have definitely toned that down over the years, but it's just, it's probably pretty impossible. I have a pretty packed third house in my chart. So that's Gemini and some Gemini planets. And so I just have to know. Uh, it, it isn't to tell anybody. It's really, I just have to be in the know. So um, that goes on. But it is happening all at once. And uh, I would just recommend for all that they self-nurture, really learn to self-nurture and tune it out. And I am getting much better at doing that. Much, much better. Um, because, you know, I don't know how many more years I have in this limited experience I'm going through in this entity who I am. And so I really want to make the moments that I I think about and, and engage in, uh, I want to make them mean something. I spent many years uh, in our early years in my you know, learning things and going through many different, unbelievably tragic and also some great experiences um, familially with my family and with my work and, and also my extended community, people I knew. And, you know, I I didn't know as much as I know now. I was I was definitely doing charts and doing things and learning things, but I had to have a base. I did meditate. I had to have a, a way in which to process this because I'm a person that likes to know, at least for me, what my experience is. I'm not somebody that sits down at a dinner table and, you know, wags my finger with a glass of champagne and goes, well, I'm going to tell you the truth or what I know. Everybody knows what they know, but it's an essence. It's a you know, they used to call it intuition and all this stuff. I call it more of an essence understanding. And so I learned uh, the hard way always, you know, because nothing says my life like, let's do it the hard way. And every single process, nothing ever came easy. And I didn't come from a background where, um, 
you know, I was deprived of the basics of life, food and shelter and two really smart parents and a good background, as one might say, you know, in the 19th or 20th century, uh, smart people, people that had beans and um, but we're not over the top. So I had I had availability and I met great people as well, even more uh, smart people along the way. And really that, as I've said before, moved me into these areas of more awareness because, you know, uh, I had older uh, people in my family, two older sisters that were way older than me. Um, I was kind of an accident, I think too much champagne or something. And, um, and they had a very different experience, very controlled by my parents and they were lovely parents, but you know, very set in their ways and very orderly and all this stuff. And, and not that my brother and I didn't, but ours was far more like we were really into in California because both they came out here and we, you know, we, we were born here. And so we had a very open experience and my parents were like, Oh God, we're so done raising kids. And it was great. I had a lot of freedom, which was now I think is great. Sometimes I resented it because, you know, I, you know, I wasn't as controlled as probably I should be, but you know, outside forces do that. So I'm just saying that when you're younger, you're more way more open as one should be. And as you move along, you know, you don't want to close up, but you do want to have more stability, I think, and more intensity of uh, relationships. And for me at this juncture, um, that is the goal. And so doing these and expressing all of this at this period of time, which I really, this particular situation in Gaza and all of these, it was just, I could not believe it because just, you know, this Ukrainian war, and I feel for all of these civilians that have been through this, all of these people, these, you know, people that just want to live their lives and younger people that have been through this horrible thing that, you know, a lot of people went through in World War II that were younger. It really marks you. You do have post-traumatic stress. Uh, I had it early on quite a few years ago, and you do need to address it. Um... It is not something you can just shove under the rug. It And you don't have to obsess over it, but it's something that you need to express and experience and just release it and move on uh, through time. And time does heal. And that's what Saturn provides. Saturn, you know, Saturn goes, I'm going to teach you this lesson and I'm going to grind your nose into the ground. But... I will teach you and then you will learn to accept and then you will learn how to do it better. Uh, I, you know, I've read every single book years and years ago. I mean, anything I could get my hands on big reader to understand this process, but I will give you a lesson you will never forget and it'll be good. You can take the good with that. And um, right now we've got really quite elementally speaking, with the elements of fire and earth, they're they're just it's a scorched scorched earth situation in certain localities on the planet, of course, but it's also psychologically in the world. And you know, the internet was born, you know, 
30 plus years ago for the masses, which is like, God, don't give it to the mob, you know, you know, they're just going to go nuts with it. And of course it's, it's spawned wonderful things. And as usual, just like when the car came into being uh, in America and other places, you know, a lot of people got run over and nobody even knew that, you know, it wasn't in the papers but they had to be aware, they had to put stop signs up, you know, and pause signs when the uh, Ford cars came into being, because people were just driving like crazy. I mean, these are not horses. They have mechanisms in them. They're, you know, they're death vehicles. You can kill somebody with them. And just like the internet, you know, again, how do you use this device? How do you use this particular medium? And that's what it's it really is about. And if you only, uh, keep it in a place uh, in in your little womb world if you like it that way if you want to be comfortable all the time which is certainly not me although I do enjoy it more later now but uh, if you want to be comfortable you have to challenge yourself you know you have to challenge and then include and then find a comfort zone because the world is happening it's closing in we have uh, like now eight billion people on this planet eight billion and many of them are not getting fed every day so even that is like mind-boggling and mind-cracking to me and you know it's and we're and we've got right now dealing with the republicans the gop and their insanity you know well let's have more kids and not take care of them. I am for a family that is planned and people that can take care of their children. It's just logical. It's just kind. It's just a beautiful thing to do. It doesn't mean you want to hurt anybody. It just means that if you can do that, then do that and give people the awareness of that. Give people a way out. I mean, in the 19th century, there was no way out. Uh, rich women had a way out. That's it. What was called the, uh, the uh, what was it called? The Sweden, Swedish cap or something like it. It was like a, um, uh, a cap or not an IUD, but um, some other device, I forgot, uh, that they used so that they wouldn't get pregnant. And it was made out of goat skin. It was um, diaphragm. I have forgotten that. So that's what it was made out of. And then they were constantly having children, mainly women that did not have means and were poor and, and prostitutes that had no way of making money. They couldn't be a librarian if you had no schooling or didn't come from a good family. These are things that people need to understand from a regular human level as to why we are here today at this point. They do matter. History does matter as to the projection of what we are today. People don't just immediately go into, you know, well, now we're doing this and, you know, Elon Musk owns Tesla, so we're all going to get Jetsons jetpack cars, which is, of course, my dream. No, we're not. We're going to get, like in Santa Monica here, we have a huge lot that used to be for Christmas trees. It's all electric car uh, charging stations, which I think is brilliant. It's great. That's a good thing. Great. We really don't need to cut down more Christmas trees. And there are, there are many Christmas tree farms, even up in California. And I planted one for my parents. I did one, but I said, I will not do this unless I can plant it and have it grow. And it did. 
So the point is, is that there are many things that we cannot solve and there's things that we should just be aware of. So I'm going to get into Chiron now through the signs, as I promised. And of course, I'm sure some of you have just tuned this out uh, completely. And one more item that I did want to discuss because it is in the news. Uh, just one more item for everybody who cares. Um, Pluto will start to go into Aquarius on January 20th, 2024. It'll move through till September 1, 2024. And November 2024 th through March of... Um, it'll go all the way through because it's an extremely long transit to 2043. So between those dates... It will retrograde in the beginning, more of the beginning dates, uh, not the latter part. It'll, you know, once it hits November 2024, but it'll go back a little bit into Capricorn. And as it as it is expressed by many astrologers and people who who obsess over Pluto, like I do, um, it will. Uh, it will go back into Capricorn and tie up loose ends. And, you know, we want to tie up loose ends. We don't want to create more conflict. Pluto and Capricorn. I mean, um, the USA's chart has a late Pluto degree in Capricorn. So we are, of course, you know, living out the utter living everyday hell psychologically of enduring what's going on in our government in this country. And, um, Every day is like, why do I just want to turn on some talk show, which of course I never watch, and talk about Christmas cookies or what I'm going to do for the holidays or what stocking stuffers to get? Why do I want to do that so much? Oh, because the news every day is like absolutely horrible. So there's this escapism element going on that is... I'm done. And usually for me now, it's like I am so blasted by 4.30 PST time that it's like, okay, I'm done. I need to watch something fun because it quells my brain. I have a very busy, busy, active brain. Unfortunately, it's just too busy. And, you know, again, it is uh, subject to minutia, which is, you know, minutia. That's it. It's not necessarily interesting. And the other item I wanted to get into is, at this point, um, uh, let me see. Joe Biden's chart looks pretty good. It's not that bad, but he he will uh, probably be affected because Saturn is going into early Pisces, and he does have a lot of the... Um, He's got, uh, you know, he has the son. Well, he's, his son is in very late, very late Scorpio, Joe Biden. But he does have um, the Gemini. He's got the Saturn and Gemini and Uranus and Gemini. And Saturn will be squaring those transformational planets at some point. And he really will have to watch his health. And therefore... Uh, he should really minimize his, you know, contact with a lot of negative um, localities if he's going to debate. We don't even know if we're going to have debates because Trump could be in prison or locked up for, 
you know, uh, gag orders. They could do that with him. And he seems to be apparently what the Republicans want. They want another round of uh, the Trump uh, uh, crisis, conflict, uh, psychosis, uh, merry-go-round. Apparently that's something that, you know, none of them will speak out against, at least a good portion, and they want another round of chaos and take down the government completely, and then, you know, everybody moves to Texas or something. And I, I love Texas in a certain way for its identity. You know, it's pretty strong, but the conservative elements are like, with Abbott and all that, is like, it's very screwed up. And um, and that's sort of an inside U.S. joke, so probably nobody else will get it. But anyway, Biden will have to be concerned with that because it's going to hit his Saturn and Uranus and Gemini. Saturn will square those. And we don't, you know, Saturn square Saturn is, you know, it is a difficult thing to get over. Um, and Uranus, so there could be upsets. Other people could come in. There could be things that could happen. And... Generally, anybody listening to these podcasts, I would think, are not necessarily uh, super conservatives. I, I certainly wouldn't be, uh, you know, uh, amenable for them the way that I speak. I would say that I, you know, I just, I really want some intelligence and some uh, way to progress from beyond this. That's what I want. I want intelligence. If somebody comes in and they're from Mars or the moon, or Venus, and they just, with the Disclosure Project, present themselves and say, you know, you people, you do have a destiny, and I'm taking, I'll, I'll take that. As long as there is an intelligent being that can, you know, uh, navigate these waters at this point. Um, Klaatu in War of the Worlds, one of my favorite movies, comes down and goes, you people need to get it together. And obviously he didn't say that, but... You know, uh, there's a lot of problems here, and you're causing them. So get a clue. I'll take Kletu. Whatever. I just need some intelligent people or a mind. And Joe has done a good job, but he's he is very old uh, to really, you know, get to the point where this has got to end this insanity because we still are in. 3D matrix. We have not transcended. We have to move to that point. So, um, you know, there are many problems that are getting worse and we need them to get better, not worse. We want to minimize. We want to be preventative. We want to we want to be progressive and inclusive. That's the point. People want to go, this is who I am. I need to live my life. I do not want somebody killing me at a disco. That's what they need to say. Why are they shooting me with an AR-15? And we did have a clamp on that for many years from Bill Clinton. He did that for 15 years. And then, of course, George Bush took it off with his group of, you know, you know, sycophants and what he did. Gavin Newsom, our partic our governor here in California, has been in the news, and there's a good reason. His mentor is Jerry Brown, um, and if you look Jerry Brown up, I'm sure you'll find every single thing you'd ever want to know. Um, one of my clients uh, was uh, close to him years ago, and 
He's a very wonderful guy. He wanted to be a priest or something for a while. Very minimalist. And um, so, you know, Gavin uh, is doing a good job for California in many respects. There are conservatives that are more inland and other people that... We have quite a few conservatives in California, by the way, world. We are not all, uh, you know, just... uh, hippies and fruit and nut people from the 1970s i think you need to whoever's listening to this from another part of the world if they ever do we're not all doing that there are quite a few inland and a lot of them have a lot of great ideas they're not just off the rails and want to lock everybody up like ron DeSantis in disneyland or out of disneyland i mean when ron DeSantis wants to kill mickey mouse you know the plot is over in america mickey mouse is almost a saint in america so I won't even expand on how utterly beyond bizarro that is, but Disney does not put up with that kind of crap. So that's that. But Gavin is really making a name for himself. And, um, and he will come more and more into the public eye because he has that uh, pretty strong Uranus and Pluto conjunction in Virgo. And, um, Saturn going through Pisces at this point, it will move through that. It's now in its zero plus something degrees, will be opposing his Saturn and Uranus, which isn't necessarily a bad thing in Virgo. It means that you become more motivated. It actually gives you a lot of impetus to move on. And now even uh, Pluto in late Capricorn is loosely uh, trining his moon in Capricorn. Um, uh, conjoining rather uh, his moon in Capricorn and um, also Saturn will be conjoining his Venus in Virgo uh, very very soon which could make him a, a possible front runner if something happens with Joe or Kamala I'm we are not sure if Kamala Harris even wants the presidency uh, at all I, She's a, she was a prosecutor and I think that her, you know, she could be uh, maybe Secretary of State, although she may want it, but nobody really knows if she really wants it. So we'll see how that works out. And then eventually Saturn will square Gavin's Mars in Sagittarius. And um, that's later, way later. And uh, he has Jupiter and Leo, which is very good. That's a, it's pretty strong. They really want what they want, those people, especially with Jupiter and Leo. And um, and then he's got uh, North Node in uh, Aries, very strong. He has a very strong chance of, uh, of making it to a prominent position in, in uh, federal government in 2024. Whether or not it's a, you know, a, a vice president thing or some bigger job remains to be seen. Because, you know, I'm, I'm looking at transits, but I would have to do his progress chart to see if that was happening. His, his ascendant is 21 Virgo, and um, his the upper part is 20 Gemini. And, you know, Pluto is going into Aquarius. 
And as time goes on in 2024, 25, I mean, it's slow. It's very slow, Pluto moving. But uh, just by it being in that sign, it's trining a lot of his things uh, just by the sign. And, um, and, uh, and it also will, you know, eventually, within a couple of years or so, maybe a little longer, it'll be sextiling his... Uh, Saturn in Aries and um, but he's motivated and he has a lot of which is very interesting mutable uh, setups here in Mars an immutable sign his part of fortune his MC he's got Venus all of these other things Uranus Pluto uh, Chiron uh, all in which is really good for actually for the USA chart for any uh, movement ahead We've had a lot of fixed signs and cardinal signs because they're usually leadership uh, markers and signatures. So he has a lot of ability to really um, mobilize progressives to the point where, you know, I'm going to be progressive, but I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, as it were. And that's just a horrible visual, but everybody uses it and I can't think of anything different right now. So... You know, he's going to keep what's good and really push and progress what we need. And California, if you do the research, uh, yeah, there's a lot of screwed upness, but we have been on the forefront of a lot of things. We are the state you love to hate in the USA because we do push the envelope. Washington's fabulous. We love Washington State and Oregon as well. And these three states are, you know, we don't, we don't, we're at the end of the road here, the Pacific Ocean, and then you're out. You know, we could die any day. I'm sure there are many that wish we'd have a giant earthquake and just drop off the face of the earth. But it's not happening yet. I know Edgar Casey talked about it in his books. But we've had many earthquakes, and many, meaning many, M-I-N-I, are better than having big ones. But we, um, you know, we've pushed a lot of things that have infused into other states in this country and in uh, other countries uh, as well. But you have to research it. You know, when people in a bar in New York can't smoke, you know, they're pissed off. And we started that no smoking thing. Yes, Mad Men has done a great job in exposing the Surgeon General's notice. And I think if you see a skull and crossbones, if you can't read, you get the picture. So he's going to be probably in the forefront of things in terms of national politics. And he will affect other countries because we're now involved uh, in, in many, so many respects with Israel, with the Arab countries. Uh, Jared Kushner and Ivanka certainly are. I have no comment on that. Uh, as far as the Saudis and their situation, the kings of Saudi Arabia. And um, and we're involved with Ukraine and dealing with Russia, you know. So he will be, you know, really far more uh, uh, aware of what America needs to move on and being very progressive in the sense of moving millennials and gen z's along more of a progressive line uh, mutable signs can be a bit you know wishy-washy and uh, see so many different 
POVs that they can't come up with a plan that works. Uh, so they have they should be hiring other people that are more like the fixed sign people and the cardinal people to go, okay, we've got all this stuff and information. Now let's coordinate this. Let's focus this. Let's direct this. Like a director on a movie. It's like you have all of these elements and then you have a budget and go, okay, let me blow my brains out now because how am I going to do this? But you find ways to do it. And that's what is going to happen with him. So he's in there. He's in the picture, and um, he will become more involved in that. So I'm going to go through Chiron in the signs, because I promised this. Uh, and I'll try to make it, uh, you know, not too onerous to get through. But the first thing I do want to say, which I have not said or, you know, communicated on a prior podcast is those of you that are interested in pursuing your chart or astrology or things that are of this, of this ilk, this type of thing in a serious way. Um, and I would start with your own chart. That's how I started. I didn't like, I looked at other charts, but it's like, I want to know me first. And I, in this respect, I would say me first is a good idea. So you learn your the blueprint of your chart. If it's a bucket chart, if it's a your planets are more on the eastern side or the western side of the chart. If it's you know more fire than air, you look at the elements. You look at where the planets are in the in the houses. Slash charts are when planets are all over in the houses. Um, they're uh, they, they look like a jigsaw puzzle to me. I go, okay, well, we're all over the map here, aren't we? And um, and so you, you learn the basic structure of your chart. That's the best way to learn it. And you read and you get the best books like Astrology, um, Conjunct Psychology. That's by Henry Neiman and Judith Cooper. That's a great one. Um, it's a little advanced. And then... If you're into more of the spiritual uh, side of your chart, you would read. It's actually very good. A Spiritual Approach to Astrology by Myrna Loftus. She's great. And, um, and then Karmic Astrology by Martin Shulman is a good one. Start getting into reading these things if you're interested in pursuing. Because I will tell you that although Saturn and all the outer planets that I've discussed um, a lot uh, on these podcasts, I, I start with Saturn. I mean, Jupiter, you know, Jupiter is very close to more of the, what I would call personal planets, the everyday, even though they, it has, it does have an immense impact in, in many ways, depending on the chart structure that, um, the outer planets transformation that I would say that Chiron to me, if you are interested in going to the essence and the depth of what is your life path experience here. If, I mean, if you're interested in just events, then you can check your houses and check your transits and your progressions and go, well, I think this will happen. This could be possibly happening. Then do that. I am not so concerned with, you know, the prediction of events, even though there are many I've done and hmm, uh, that worked out that way as I thought. 
but it is more abstract thinking in many ways than you will be at this specific place at this specific time doing this specific thing. That is very super predictive astrology and often involves people that are very good at this, like Edgar Casey types and people that do this. It often involves people that actually have more of a truly psychic ability. I would say my ability in that area in in terms of looking at charts is is uh, fairly good, and uh, but I'm not interested in that particularly. I'm interested in the experience that takes a person to another level of their consciousness, to another awareness of a wider consciousness of them in their place, uh, where they live and where they work and where they communicate with their community and live and, and exchange. This could be a wide community if they're professional and well-known for whatever reason, or it can be a smaller community in their family. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I'm interested in the essence of what they're providing and communicating and how they feel about their interaction within that communal process. Because even if you live on a farm that's far away, and I did one time in my life, uh, not for very long, but I did. And you're really involved in that moment, in that locality. And, you know, this is what's going on every damn day of my life. Um, <clears throat> you still are going to go out at some point into a wider world. And you have to kind of be aware of it, if not ready. I'm the kind of person I like to be ready, which is uh, a little bit of a control element that I have. Um, you know, I have a, quite a bit of earth in my chart, so there's, you know, the need for control. <laughs> and, um, and so it happens, but it, you need to be at least aware of it. And we learn that through the stages of our growth in our 20s, our 30s, 40s, 50s, as we go on. I mean, hopefully by the time we hit our 60s or 70s and all that, all that jazz, you know, we're kind of like, We've learned something. You want to, you know, you, you really, the kind of work that I do or astrology, it's like you want to be growing. You want to be moving ahead consciously. You don't want to be in a little crappy mud puddle at 60 or 65, like, well, this is who I am and that's it, you know. I mean, maybe that worked a long time ago, but now it's just, it's so confining. So, and also, if you are more inclusive and you move into the areas of your life that are interesting and that you resonate with, it is far more fulfilling as a person, as a spiritual being as well. Far more fulfilling in whatever endeavor you're involved in. And I think that, you know, many people have said this on camera, whatever they're doing, whatever their position is. So when you get to Chiron, which is the wounded healer, and nobody understands that statement. I mean, astrologers do have great ones. Um, something the wounded healer. How the hell does that happen? It's like an oxymoron. It's like a. It's like a. It, it's dissonant. It's a contradiction, rather. The wounded healer. You know, a wound heal. Well, how does that work? Um, it really is about like the Rumi saying that Rumi, uh, the uh, wonderful, uh, you know. Um, philosopher and writer that the light enters 
the, the light enters where the wound is. Um, and it's true. We are all wounded in childhood to some degree. It's the initial imprint of wherever we got hurt and whatever the Achilles heel is, whatever, whatever somebody didn't give us, whatever nurturing we didn't get, whatever uh, mom or dad or anybody could, maybe it's not them, maybe it's other people or whatever sibling hurt us or whatever person made such an impact we wanted to, we wanted to as young people make them proud or make them recognize us and acknowledge our essence and our soul and our existence. That is the essence of Chiron, to the recognition of that. So the wounded healer means that somebody or something or some situation when we were in our primary years and the chart as a blueprint, you know, puts it right out there. A lot of times I've done karmic chart readings and I do, I do view Chiron as a karmic marker signature of what happened in a past life if you want to look at it that way if you're into that if you subscribe to that and i'm not saying you have to i'm just saying um you come in and boom you know this is the marker you get chiron will tell you these this this issue is going to be the biggest thing that either propels you into success of who you are and acknowledging and accepting who you are or drags you down and put you into um, a hole where you cannot move out of it and you keep beating the same drum of pity, self-pity, I can't get beyond this, people are stopping me from doing something, my life is a mess, I can't get divorced, I can't get married, my children drive me crazy. It's all of that crap, all of the yammering, all of the things that the the self, the person tells, the personality. You know, there's the truth of appearances, which is very, as we know with the internet, bullshitty. And then there's the truth of reality, of who that essence is behind the avatar, the thing, the person, who you are, all of these things. I like the internet because it allows you to be a lot of uh, different feelings and personalities you have, but can remain your in your essence. Um, because I have a lot of interests. I have a person, I have a lot of uh, humor in my life, although nobody would know it with these podcasts. Um, uh, but I'm not going to be throwing pearls to swine and, you know, be telling jokes on this thing, you know, like I'm some stand-up comedian. But there's many jokes I could tell, you know, with people that I love that I'm private with. So I'm saying that the Chiron part in your chart that you look at, and it is important, will tell you immediately, this is your issue. This is your big freaking issue. You know, yeah, Saturn's your issue, wherever it's placed with squares and oppositions and all this screwed upness and, oh, woe is me and get out the crying towel, blah, 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 all that stuff. But Chiron is the one that will save you or sink you. The Chiron, the understanding of Chiron in your chart. And I will say, if you are deeply into understanding this, and mine went over quite a few years of understanding Chiron and it was fascinating. I loved every moment of trying to understand it. So, cause I got into it later. I did all the planetary things and all of the aspects and things. 
I read this book by um, uh, Barbara Hand Handclough called Chiron, Rainbow Bridge Between the Inner and Outer Planets. And this book, if you read it, and I mean, if you're into it, and you got to be, you have to kind of be into it, the inner part. This is your psyche speaking to you. And when I say psyche, I don't mean that you are psychotic or you, uh, you know, are constantly in psychoanalysis. I have, that has no bearing on what I'm saying here. It is, it really is about the essence of what is going on with your life path in your chart. It really holds the key of release and understanding. And the planets connected to Chiron, people that have planets connected to Chiron in their chart, they are the ones that really go through it. They go through the drama-rama. They do. There's no doubt about it. Um, people that have squares to Chiron, drama-rama, go through it oppositions to Chiron. If it's sitting there alone, you can read and see what's going on. It rarely is. There's usually some aspects to it. Um, lucky the person that has Chiron not aspected at all in their chart. Those are people I usually have not done charts for. People that I have seen over the years uh, are, are generally, which I prefer because it's more up my alley, uh, conflicted. They're conflicted. And I completely understand that looking at my chart. So it's it's not similar to your, theirs, but I understand how do I square the circle? You know, square, or circle the square, or whatever it is that saying. And you know what? There really is no circling the square or, you know, taking the square out and modifying it. It's the understanding of it that makes the difference. So Chiron in your chart is, again, the key to no risk, no reward. And you're risking revealing who you are to you as well as to others to the best of your spiritual ability. That's all I can say. You're risking living what is necessary to your soul and to the, the food that your psyche and your soul needs. That's what you're doing with Chiron. Saturn is wonderful. It's the teacher. I cannot, you know, and, and for astrologer loving Saturn, you know they've got to be pretty whacked in some way. And I, I do things very differently. So it's like, you know, Saturn is the key to you know, I'm going to teach you a lesson and you're going to learn this or you're going to be screwed up. You're going to have to learn this all over again. It's like a teacher, you know, teacher. It's like, okay, well, you got to take the test again. You know, that's it. So those are great. Those are great things because once you begin to understand where you can release yourself and express yourself and your real solid quality in your life if that is your goal if that is something that's interesting to you you will uplift those around you you will make it easier for them you will certainly make it easier for you and i will say here right now uh, i have uh, been working on this particular problem for so many years that i would say from the essence internal aspect of who i am that it is getting easier uh, there, I can't bring everybody over for martinis and tell them that, but 
I know that. So that's the only thing I need to know. That's all. You know, they don't need to know. What's the point? It's, it's not going to affect their life other than, wow, she was really nice tonight or she's lightened up or whatever it is they may go away with. Um, but I know it. And that's the point of Chiron. I know I've done the work. That is the release. So when you have Chiron and Aries, it's the it's the situation where you you don't know where you're going and you don't feel really recognized with Chiron and Aries. Chiron and Aries is, I know I'm climbing a mountain. I know I am forging something new, but I'm not getting a lot of support and I know I'm alone doing this. Nobody can really help me. And I don't know where I fit in. Chiron and Aries, because they're Aries is number one. And they forge things. They don't, they're not followers. They're leaders. You know, they they lead. So it's like, oh, oh, you mean I have to cut this path out for myself? Yeah, you do. That's the thing. Chiron and Taurus is I know I need to create a place that is safe for me and some and I have to respect the physical plane and the material elements of life and and also understand that I can't be so tied to acquiring my possessions and my things that it blunts me from love and inclusiveness and the reality things do not make me things acquisition is not who I am I can get things and be pushed to get things and go for things, but I really need to understand that they have to have meaning to me. Now, I'm, I'm condensing a lot of this stuff. Chiron and Gemini is, uh, you can't talk your way through life. You did it the last time, maybe, and you've done it for many incarnations, let's say, just for, you know, hypotheticals. You can't just talk your way through life and be a dilettante and know a few things and, you know, just academically, you know, know a lot of information that is not helping you personally, in essence. It's the Achilles heel. Chiron is the wound. It's the Achilles heel. So they don't feel, again, because they're, 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 it's an incarnation thing. They're feeling like, why am I not getting the same applause I used to get? Why am I not being celebrated? Why am I not being the greatest person in the room with the funniest story or blah, 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 all of that? Because you're not supposed to be. Chiron is saying, it's over. This, this phase is over. So it's telling you, this is the work phase of what you used to have. Chiron is the working phase, like Saturn. We're now in the work project here. So with Gemini, when you talk, Chiron and Gemini, you have to mean something. You have to have meaning behind. You can't just spew out academic facts and factoids and, you know, who said what and when did they say it and historically this and I'm a brilliant academic and I'm just going to pour this out in my class and hope somebody gets it. You have to put meaning behind your words, Chiron and Gemini. And that's a very condensed version of that. You are not just the mind or the thinker, you know, the Balzac. I think it was the Balzac sculpture, the thinker. Um, maybe it wasn't Balzac. Ugh, I really should get my facts on that. But, um, you know, you're not just the thinker and then, you know, that's it. Everybody's just going to get you. You experience 
a level of why aren't they listening to me? Because Chiron is about being hurt. It's about going, why the hell aren't they listening to me? Why don't they recognize me? Why don't they acknowledge who I am? That's what it's all about. The first imprint of like, you know, you may write something fabulous in fourth grade. You know, some, you know, I had a lot of, you know, uh, private school or stuff in, in my primary years. And, you know, it's something fabulous, five sentences or something deep. And they're going, who, you know, who did you, who wrote this? You know, I wrote it. You could, you could feel like, why aren't they seeing who I am? That's the Chiron experience, wherever it is in your chart. You know, the acknowledgement or, and then Chiron and Cancer. You know, where is my home? Why why am I always deprived of feeling at home with people or feeling that even if I have a home with five kids or I'm here or whatever, I don't feel like I'm connected to it. Now, I'd love to know where Don Draper in Mad Men's Chiron was. So I'll have to look up when the show premiered and that'll be their chart and see where Don Draper's Chiron was. Because that man, that show for me, not all of it, it was fabulous just as a as an icon okay as an archetypal show which was brilliantly done you know that he was just walking through his chironic experience he was never acknowledged as a kid all of this he couldn't get recognition he had to kind of scream at his bosses going don't you know how brilliant i am i mean who has to who wants to do that you you don't want to tell somebody that you want somebody to recognize that that's the chiron experience you want it to be a motive from the person you love or the people you love or the profession you're in not like do i really have to spell this out for you how hard is this this is what this man did through the entire progression of his evolution which was really fun to watch in Mad Men that's what he did and then finally at the end he's at Esalon and Big Sur going screw it you know I'm just going for God I'm going for transcendence that's the point he recognized he was hurt he hugged the man he was in that Esalon from the 70s or whatever that period was 1970 hugging him and going I, I felt like nothing too that is the chironic experience. So in cancer, you don't feel at home anywhere. You don't feel at home when you're born in with the parents you have, you or whoever raises you, guardians. You don't feel at home as you go into your life. You have to begin to understand what is it in me that can't have this experience of feeling, in this case, chiron and cancer at home. What is it? What? Why am I blocking this? Chiron and Leo. Where's the applause? Leo, I need to be recognized. You know, not getting it in their early life. It's an imprint that happens very early. Probably we really experience more around seven or 10 in our life. We begin to get the picture of what's going on. It isn't, it isn't later where we're kind of formed. It is in early life. It's an imprint. Why doesn't dad recognize me? Why doesn't mom? Why doesn't the guardian? Why why, why am I not, you know, an entity of uh, love or a person that they love? What is not happening here? And they so they do everything to get attention. Chiron is the knee-jerk 
aspect in the chart where it's going to do everything <laughs> probably all wrong in the beginning to try to get attention from others, from their world, from where they are or what is important to them. And really, it's really bringing the attention into the solic center and understanding who you are. And it is about, I would say, past experience hurts if you want to look at it in your present life. If you choose to view it from a past life perspective, a karmic perspective, it's, you know, all the stuff that was that happened to you before, like, well, I remember this or maybe you have dreams or you go to psychics or something and they go you were this or that i mean you know you go to a psychic and everybody was mary queen of scots or something it's ridiculous so the point is is that chiron has that chironic energy and in in if you do view it from a psychological pov if you choose to it's the freud and young like sort of combo of uh you know getting to the essence of who you are that's the whole point we're not talking to you people. We're not trying to psychologize you people or or give you therapy so that you could be better people, you know, serving donuts, you know, at a community uh, function. We are doing this so that you understand who you are and begin to understand more and more who you are in this experience. And of course, it goes along the lines of how old you are, 20s, 30s, 40s, as you grow. Some people emotionally and and uh, mentally stay in the same place until they die. Um, I don't know those people, a lot of them at all. I have zero interest in hanging out with that lot, but they're happy. You know, I used to visit my parents and they'd have some friends and these people, I mean, there wasn't one moment that was, you know, I would say, you know, inordinately super uncomfortable. They, they, I, I was envious. They liked their lives. They liked what they did. I, you know, my, my parents were far more conflicted, which was great. They were very interesting to observe, not always experienced, but, um, you know, these are people that that's what they're doing. Maybe they have a ton of trines in their chart and like they're taking a karmic break, which is what I call it. We're just we're just chilling here. We're zoning out and then we're we're out of here. So, you know, some people have that. So then you go to Chiron and Virgo. Chiron and Virgo is I cannot be a doormat for people anymore. Why do I just keep servicing these people or whomever it is and not taking care of who I am and who you know what I need? Uh Chiron and Virgo is I'm going to get points in heaven or whatever they think heaven is because I'm serving everybody. And I don't mean coffee or tea. I mean serving in the sense of being there and loving and families and community. And I'm constantly just doing everything for people. And I'm super smart. And they pat me on the head because I'm super smart, like a little dog or something. Ooh, good, good boy. You know, this kind of thing. Why am I doing this? They, they become resentful. Where was the point in the imprint in life where that was just okay for you to be the, you know, well, she does that or he does that and there, and you have special talents or you have things that nobody cared about that you know you have. You have to take care of those because these people around you are not receiving you nor understanding you in a way that is 
applicable with the essence of who you are. You had all of that before. You were celebrated with all of your maybe perhaps technical and, and detailed ability. And now it's nothing. It means, you know, where am I landing here? That kind of thing. When Chiron is there, you know, I'm working my ass off and you people aren't even recognizing me. That's, that's what I see there. Chiron and Virgo. Now check what the aspects are. Check if there are planets connected to it. Read about those. Understand them. Took me years. I mean, I read, well, I'm a big reader anyway. I always have been. Big thing in my family. Must read. Must, must read. Books, books, books. So um, I'm a big reader, so it was nothing for me. And I was reading at higher levels and primary grades because, you know, um, literacy was a huge, huge necessity growing up in my family and magazines, books, all, you know, and you, you can't just read like things that are in your age group. You've got to read, you know, big books, 500 pagers, big words, all this. I mean, my parents use big words at dinner and all this stuff. And so I love words. And so, you know, I just, we were tasked with doing all that. So it was easy. I grew up in the environment. I was like a little house plant that had all of that around me, but in Virgo, getting back to that, you know, they're, they're going, you know, I'm doing everything. Libra, Chiron and Libra. Okay, look at the planets attached. What's there? The moon, the sun, all of these things. I've discussed them before. Um, very hurt that people do not understand your brilliance and your uh, charisma. And your ability to compromise so much and your ability to give in so much to their needs and do it with class and flair and, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, I would say uh, st strategic ability, all of that, Chiron and Library, you know, what happened here? I was, I'm a brilliant strategist. I'm a diplomat. I'm doing everything I can to tap dance my way through this whole thing and make it work for everybody. And nobody recognizes my worth. And, and then they bag on me for stuff or they rag on me for things that I don't do. Chiron and Libra, that's what happens, you know. And, and um, it's, that's just, you know, that's part of scratching the surface of it. Because I did do quite a bit on Chiron. I have no idea what podcast it was because I don't really go back and review these things. But I did do some more in-depth stuff on it. Um, so let's go Chiron and Scorpio. And here we have Chiron and Scorpio is, you know, it is intense. It is usually very strategic and brilliant. It is secretive. It is it is prone to, I am shamed for my deepest desires, uh, emotionally, psychologically, and physically, uh, Chiron and Scorpio. Uh, you know, they're usually incredible when they take a lot of the libidinal energy that Scorpio has, and it is libidinal energy, because we are in 3D matrix again. Um, and they use it uh, incredibly well in whatever they do. It's total focused water energy. Scorpio is focused, directed water. Cancer is the ocean, the full ass ocean. It's just ocean, ocean, ocean. And Pisces is the deep, 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 darkest parts of the ocean where many do not tread. And um, 
And so with Scorpio, it's directed, but they are shamed in some way with their body or their sexuality or their psychological, uh, they're prone to, you know, uh, deviant behavior in the sense that, you know, maybe they're scientists and they have not been given the tools to become biochemists or scientists and they're, they want to, you know, dissect frogs more often than they should out of school or something. They're interested in every intricacy of the experience. P Scorpio and Chiron, you know, is like, you know, uh, it's kind of, it's very similar to, and I have not read his chart or looked at it, uh, Robert Maplethorpe, who was an incredible photographer, and he was scorned because he took pictures he was gay, um, of beautiful pictures of, and, and even very harsh pictures of, of uh, sexual love with men and, and eroticism, very, very erotic type stuff. Um, and his, he grew up, he really had an awareness and Patty Smith, whom I love, uh, they were friends and everybody knows the story if you, if you know their background and he had an awareness of, you know, I came from Indiana or whatever, some Midwest town, Midwest place state. And, um, you know, my parents had some money and I grew up in a really nice household and he was very aware, very respectful of his family life, but they were like, you know, they could have been on a bag of Wonder Bread. His parents were just these regular nice people. And, you know, he never really got along with his dad, but it wasn't anything huge or, you know, volcanic in terms of clashing. And Patty, and he knew each other, Patty Smith. And so if you look at Maplethorpe's work, a lot of people, oh, you know, in the early days, I can't believe he did this. And he broke records. You know, he really... I mean, I don't know if his Chiron is in Scorpio, but it's the type of thing where you go, fuck it, I'm doing it. This is the kind of art I want to see. This is what I feel. This is what's going on here. This is the essence. And I'm doing it in a, a form that is really beautifully done. And he did. His, his photo photography was just immensely gorgeous. Whether you like the subject or the or the the subject matter or any of it is is not important it's the it's what he portrayed as you know this is uh human life this is definitely uh a very real aspect of human life every day every day in terms of uh people the way they may experience their private lives i don't think people are running around doing it in the streets but I'm putting it on this, I'm doing this and taking a picture, doing it. I'm not seeing he is the only one, but in terms of uh, Chiron and Scorpio, it is about accepting one's sexuality and one's peccadillos and one's ability to understand it and not shame oneself and go, you know, yeah, this is who I am. As long as you're not hurting people, literally. And many of us do hurt people to, to a greater or lesser degree when we're younger. I mean, it's part of the process. Hurt, getting hurt. is sort of like our version of the animal kingdom. You know, eat or be eaten kind of thing. And, and in this case, solically, we want to celebrate and, and, and say this is who we are. And uh, in his case... I have no idea about, I haven't read extensively on his life, but it's kind of like he kind of broke the mold with that along with other um, uh, gay groups in, in New York, especially Stone, 
uh, it was Stonewall or whatever. It was, yeah, I think it was, it was that. And um, I know these things and Harvey Milk, very, I know a lot about that. All of these people were just saying, hey, you know, we want to be who we are. And we're, you know, this shadow life is bullshit. You know, I mean, that's really what they were saying. But, you know, we're not running people out in the middle of the streets doing things. We're not climbing into your private homes, ruining your life. And all I'm saying is that it's the acceptance of that. So that's part of it. And also with Scorpio, it is also the acceptance of one's psychological self in the sense that, you know, I have a deeper life to live here and my environment does not provide that or facilitate that particular thing that I need. And often they break with many friends and their family. So let's move on to Chiron and Sagittarius. And these are the adventurers. These are the philosophers. And these are some of the best uh, preachers and cultists and uh, gurus that have ever graced this planet. You know, they, uh, salesmen, salespeople, they're really good because they're uh, they like to proselytize. I mean, they're really good. They be totally believe, I think more so than the intensity of Scorpio. You know, they get a religion or they get something that they're on and they they really stick with it and they, they do like to share it and proselytize in that way. And some people uh, enjoy that and they get with it and, and if it's a good thing, it, it works and they're great salespeople. But they really have an aim. It's like the archer. And with Chiron there, they don't often in their home life, as they grow up with the imprint of that, get any reassurance as to, you know, what could you do in life? They're, you know, they could be constantly lecturing their family, you know, as a 10-year-old or 11-year-old at dinner time. Or they get into things that are so extreme that their parents become concerned. And I'm, I'm remarking on the, um, the early years of what happens with this Chiron imprint because it does happen. I think it really kicks in a lot. Um, this is just my review and my, you know, analyzing this and reading and, and experience of certain charts and things. It really begins to kick in more from 10 to 16. That's a very large corridor. Um, where people begin to, uh, and this does not mean they can't change, okay? So many people have gigantic epiphanies and change when they're 25 or 30. But these types of hurts, wherever your Chiron is, Chiron and whatever sign, um, they begin to be felt more, more prominently from 10 to 16, like you kind of begin to know your place. You're outside your personal world of, you know, whatever you're into, your personal comic books or your 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 friends that like you and your your very almost womb like people that you hang with. Because then your people and who you hang with becomes thrown into a wider world of, you know, hormones exploding 10 and 12 12 usually around there and you become hormonal women or men 
And nowadays, you be, you have those depending on your uh, your your body, your physiology, physiological self, your gender, and then they may change during that period, that period of time. You may feel it a lot earlier, but generally, the sort of the psychology part kicks in from 10 to 16, right in there. It doesn't stop. It just kicks in. Those are real. It's a really intense corridor of psychological hurt and change and I don't mean it just in terms of the teenage years yes hormonally we are growing and I don't think we stop growing uh, physically till we're about 24 physically and the frontal lobe which is a very important part of our uh, physiology of our bodies uh, does not really complete itself self in terms of formation uh, right around 23 or 24 somewhere in there so you know it's 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 there but the adult brain doesn't kick in more until you're 23 or somewhere in there and so you're experimenting with the teenage brain the brain that's still really not you know at least from a physical sense let's look at it that way uh completely formed yet and so you're experimenting and you are very vulnerable to any kind of newness that comes in, which is wonderful in many respects. I mean, I'm glad I was because uh, I, at least I had a sense of uh, balance because that's more of the essence of the soul. It's more of the moral compass. So Sagittarius, let's get back to that. So it's like basically, you know, you're experimenting and you're moving out and you're telling people like, you know, this is so great how to live. I mean, for me, I think in high school, I became a vegetarian at about, uh, I would say 14, somewhere in there. My parents, you know, they had balanced meals and all that crap, you know, very balanced. They were great about that, but I didn't eat meat. And so I just, you know, this is very much like that, um, proselytizing that pushing. I just came home and my brother, he was into that he's a little older than me and said, you know, I'm need, not eating meat anymore. I'm going to make my own food. I don't expect you to make it for me. And then when I was going to school during lunch and stuff, they would just, I would be ridiculed, not in a fun way. Cause I had cool friends for eating yogurt and an apple. And like, um, I used to eat alfalfa sprouts and like, I would have an avocado sandwich because in California they were, we get wheat bread and avocado, like, you know, it's like super cheap and easy and, markets because we have Salinas Valley and all vegetables and stuff. So, so I was really, I just said, I'm not eating an animal anyway. That's it. I'm done. And they're all eating their sandwiches or we're in the calm or something. So as an aspect of this, I would just be like, I was adamant. I was very much in that mode of learning about myself and trying to understand and very adamant that this is how I am and I'm learning how to meditate. So it's a big thing. And they weren't, it wasn't like I was being hurt or ridiculed, but I was still like, what the hell are you doing? You know, what is going on with you? And I said, I'm eating this way. This is what I'm doing. It works for me. It was very early on and I did feel kind of weird, but you know, I just stopped. You know, and it, luckily in California, in the vending machines, we had uh, Altadena yogurt. So, so I had apples and yogurt. We didn't have junk food in there. I mean, there were some sandwiches and things, but we had vending machines in high school and stuff and junior high. So, so that's what I did. So it's part of that process where 
Chiron in Sagittarius is like, I'm trying to give you some new ways to live. And, you know, nothing took. I mean, people were like, okay, whatever. You know, I'm going to Taco Bell. Um, and, and it wasn't like um, a big thing because it wasn't metaphysical or anything. It was just something that you felt strongly about. So now we go, we move to Chiron and Capricorn. And, um, and then we get... Uh, we get, the, you know, Chiron and Capricorn, big cardinal sign, is really is hurt early on of the lack of recognition in their um, order, ordering skills, their ability to be uh, serious and deliberate and stick by their, by what they want to do in life and, um, and make their best efforts. There's a lack of, there's almost a lack of, uh, you're very interesting, but we don't have time to listen to you. Um, it, parents are distracted. Uh, they have certain talents that are never used, that are never promoted in the family or in the guardian, wherever they are. They're not promoted, even if the money or the availability is there. So there are things that are lost with the person. And the hurt is that, you know, I had a lot to offer here and now I'm leaving and blah, 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 and I'm out of here. So there you come away with, I've really got to make who I am, uh, make an imprint and do it. I've really got to struggle and push. It's, it's a struggle with Chiron and Capricorn. It, it, it is a struggle in that way. Uh, it's the crisis of recognition and the lack thereof. So that goes on. It's kind of similar to the other cardinal signs, Aries, and uh, when then we have Capricorn, and um, and Libra and Cancer. You know, this these are cardinal signs. Cardinal signs are action signs. They're like, you know, I do this and I'm you know applauded, or this happens and you know I act and I'm I take action. Why do people not recognize this? Cardinal signs are always, they're always, it's always action. You know, it, it, fixed signs are directed, very, very directed, clarified, directed energy. So they are always improving and fixing and editing. Very good at that. Cardinal signs start things and they want to be recognized for that. You know, I started this, right? I stepped out of my ring past knot and did this. Um, and then we've got... Uh, Chiron and Aquarius. And Aquarius is, you know, this is a very weird spot for Chiron. I find it very befuddling sometimes uh, to understand it. It really is more, you know, uh, on the lower end of it, on the one, that, you know, it's more, uh, I would say, mundane. It's like, you know, I used to be a star. I used to be great. Or people knew me for what I did. They I was very unusual. I was very interesting. I had an interesting life and I was known for it. You know, there's this sort of like, I'm a, I'm, I'm very interesting and I don't know if anybody's going to just listen to me uh, talk about that or things that I'm interested in. And I'm very progressive. So Chiron and Aquarius is you know, sort of like they look at people and they they get that imprint of hurt. Like, I'm just waiting for all of you to just catch up with me. They're rather, you know, you know, la-di-da, la-di-da, just 
could you just make it across the finish line because I'm here having my tea and I'm bored to death. So they're, they're very much, you know, I know I'm great. I know I'm really good at what I do and they're very, but they're cool about it because Aquarius isn't like Leo. Leo is flashy. Leo really wants to make a statement. They are like, but Aquarius is, I'm just so cool that people are just watching me. So it's just the opposite of that kind of reaction. And I'm being very mundane here. On a solic level, it really is about, I have, uh, I really do have a lot to offer and great ideas and very different ideas. And maybe you don't like them, but they probably could be very, very useful and very um, interesting to the process. So in early life, um, again, they might be the odd person out or someone that, you know, is, reads alone in the library or, you know, oh, you know, so-and-so, you know, our daughter, our son, they're just, they're very strange. They like a lot of, they have a lot of in, interests, but they're not things that are helping them improve to go to a certain school or to take up a certain profession. You know, they're treated like that. They're very unusual. And, um, the parents may not know how to deal with them or the guardians. And if they have trines to chirons, and I do want to make this this point, trines or sextiles to your chiron in your chart, um, you're going to get more help than the people that don't have that. People that have oppositions and conjunctions and harder aspects and squares, they're not getting any help. <laughs> Believe me, they are on their own <laughs> to make it happen or not. The ones that have, oh, I have a trine to my Chiron and Aries or whatever sign it is in the seventh house or the sixth house or whatever, whatever that house is, particularly, it's like the theater of operation. You know, they're going to, they're going to, I'm getting help. You're getting help. You're getting people that are going to give you money to help you to go to school or whatever you need to make your dream happen. Trines, sextiles, things are going to be much more harmonious. These are people that I recognize my son or my daughter is a pro, uh, progeny. You know, they're going to be a, a classical pianist and we're putting them, I mean, these are people that get the benefit of it. You know, they still go through the awkwardness and the pain because it, they, they now are slotted into these incredible careers and expressions of themselves and everyone is clamoring and loves them to just do this one thing and then they're going crazy going I want to do other things with my life I want to have a real life I want to uh, have a family I want to have a boyfriend I want to have a, a, affairs I want to live an exciting life you know or something and then they're they get so much uh, promotion of their talent with that Chiron sextiles and trines that, you know, they're now slotted into this, you know, like, like, like Mozart, you know, the man was kind of whacked. He was a genius, but emotionally, my God, uh, if you read about it, that, you know, it's amazing. He ever did what he did. His father just pushed him. That is the other, you know, ugly side of the great part of being promoted when you have Chiron in a particular sign and you've got sextiles and trines and a lot of good shit going on with it. Excuse my language. Anyway, um, so that's good in that way. 
So you can have it both ways. So Chiron and Aquarius, you know, if you've got sextiles and trines going on, you know, they could make you the next Steve Jobs or something. But you're slotted into these things where you can't, you're, you're sort of like inflexible. You can't move out of, this is your realm, stay in your lane. And you're like, what? I need to grow. I need to grow as a person. I have to. I have to uh, move on. I have to throw some chaos in the room, some confetti, something, something to change up this mode that you're sticking me in. So there is a downside to that as well. And then Chiron and Pisces, my darling Pisces, they're so lovely. And, you know, they're going like, oh, great, Chiron and Pisces, thank you very much, universe. <laughs> they're, they're, um, you know, they're the last sign, the, you know, and, uh, and they, you know, they really go through the labyrinth in many ways of all of the dramatic, you know, stages of every sign that comes before them. They really are ready to sacrifice a lot for people and who they love and often when they do not get to the place where they they understand their essence and they have to make something of this they go through tremendous pain and sacrifice beforehand and often escapism drugs alcohol the whole thing and that can happen of course with any sign but i'm saying they tend to like oh god i'm i can't take this they're so uh watery pisces and so vulnerable and so wonderfully vulnerable and open to everything that they take too much on. They're, they're empaths. They really are sort of the empaths of the Zodiac. And Chiron in Pisces is like, you know, you're born an empath on, on some level, whether you recognize it or not. You're, the empathy is just in you. It's in you. You've had perhaps if you subscribe to that many lifetimes of, you know, God, it's been hard or great and hard. And if you do not subscribe to that, you know, your chart setup, your blueprint is saying, you know, you've been through the ringer in childhood. They, you know, you've been thrown so many different monkey wrenches into what could have been probably artistically a beautiful uh, movement and trajectory into a beautiful, easy easier path to your artistic life, which they tend to be far more artistic in what they do with Chiron and Pisces in their life, what they choose to do. I mean, I wouldn't say they're running to be an accountant or a bean counter or, you know, go, wow, I just love tech. You know, they're more like Steve Jobs. I like to design, you know, the iPod. I want to be the designer. I want the beauty. I want the ergonomics of the design rather than sitting there coding all day and eating burritos. So, it's like uh, they're more of the empathic. They, they tend to go out for humanitarian causes. So again, trines attached, maybe fabulous. And um, sextiles and all those things for people that are slotted to be prodigy, slotted to be, they, they, in many ways, they, all, they are if they have that. If they have uh, supporting uh, aspects to that. Uh, their parents or the people that are around them in their extended family or community see that and they support that. But they've got to get out of the rut of what people want them to be with their gift. You know, it's great when your gift is seen in early life. Um, it is just fabulous. I, I probably have one gift 
that I did not use in early life. And it was, it might have been seen by somebody in my family, but, you know, I was busy experiencing and, um, and I, uh, you know, it was just something I didn't pursue. And so had my parents said, oh, you must do this, you know, and these two, forget it, they were not going to be doing that. They were, they had, were involved in different things. Um, and, and there were kids before me a lot. So not a lot, but I was the last one. So it's like, they were just like, okay, let, you know, she's very independent, let her do whatever. And then I had other people around me that, that had seen certain things that, you know, they, they promoted more, but by that time it was in my teens and later teens and other things became of interest to me. But I'm saying if you do have the community around you to do uh, what they see immediately, you know, in that, you know, when they see it maybe when you're four or when you're eight or when you're 12 or, and you have this Chiron placement and it's, you have good aspects. Uh, I would say good in the sense that, wow, they're promoting, they're promoting this. They're not going to drag you down. Then, you know, they're going to help you with this process. And you just, you don't want to get stuck in living for other people as you are promoted with your gift. Chiron is a gift. It is also the suffering that you move through to get to the essential gift, which is accepting who you are. That's really my experience of it. And I think many that have written about it, it's the essential gift of uh, your own acceptance of soul in your life and acceptance of your path in what you're doing. And you may give up a lot in, on that path that you wanted, really wanted, because no matter how weird uh, the Chironic experience is, you know, there's an element of it that is, I really want this and I'm not getting what I want. And it could be anything. You know, could, I don't mean a thing, a noun, a thing. It means an experience or a life that you want or a way of expression. It's more intrinsic to the life path. I mean, it's not something where you get up in the morning. Oh, I really want that new couch. That's bullshit. Nobody, it's, that's exactly, that's not what I'm talking about at all. Um, I really want that big airplane. It, it's not things. It's the essence of who you are that you really want to express and experience without impediment. And the impediment is you blocking yourself. That's the impediment. It's, the, it's needing that. Sometimes we'll miss the mark in a lifetime and we are caught up in uh, things that we have to take care of, which I call karmically, dharma, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that's the way it is. And you have to give it up. And there's an element of letting go and suffering through it. Um, uh, it really is very much like that Rolling Stone song. And I know this sounds rather trite or cliche, but you can always get what you want, but you get what you need. And that's what Chiron's about. That really is a, a perfect Rolling Stone phrase for Chiron. And many people have uh, wonderful, you know, aspects with it. But many, most, uh, with conflicting elements going on, do not. They really have to plow through it. And um, But it can be the savior. It can truly connect you with that path that you 
are craving that you're longing for. Or it can sink you into more of escapism and, you know, I don't want to bother and this is just too hard. And all of us have that. We have very, you know, human lazy elements. Things come late in life. Things come, or they don't come at all, you know, in terms of what we wanted. Well, I wanted it then and it didn't come and now I get it and now I don't care. And the the beauty, the, the karmic beauty and the, I would call it the Buddhist sort of karmic beauty of like, oh, now you get the goodie. Now you get the present when you wanted it earlier in life, you know, is that you don't care now. And when you don't care, when you truly are dispassionate and you don't care, many, many good things come in. Many things happen. And then you go back and you laugh and you go, my God, I can't believe this. I don't even care anymore. And then, boom, the pinata breaks and all the candy falls. It's when you really, truly don't care. And you'll know that point because nobody doesn't know that point in their life is when it just drops. It's when you're pushing and you push the room, you try and you're caring too much that oftentimes with the chironic experience, you don't get it. So it's a total tightrope act, the whole thing. And it's very interesting if you're, if you are, uh, inclined to analyze and understand your chart and however you view that in whatever way, uh, start to analyze that one. Because when I started to really analyze my Chiron and uh, the planet connected to it and different things, my life, as far as I was concerned, became a lot more clear as to what didn't happen and what did happen. And uh, I would highly suggest only a suggestion uh, that one do that. So on that note, this is way, way too long as usual. And um, I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. I, I think that uh, the things going on in the world, that it's in everyone's interest to at least meditatively in any way they can to hope that this ends quickly and that there are no more lost lives, um, you know, going on and on and on continuing and that, um, hostages return, uh, to the people that love them and the people that they love. And, uh, you know, we will move into Pluto and Aquarius in March of next year. And a lot will change. I know that that sounds very, Oh, God, you know, she's thinking like, you know, her head's in the clouds. But uh, it's very interesting when the uh, transits, when something moves into another sign, how quickly things change. So be well and please self-nurture because only you can do that. <laughs> and that's it.